Reviewing games is hard, and it gets even more difficult when you're trying to aggregate opinions between three people with wildly different ideas on what makes a game good. That's why the Totally Biased Media Podcast is here. Not just to re-review the past year's games, but also to admit that we were wrong. It's true. We were wrong. We will change our minds, and we'll continue to be wrong far into the future of this podcast. This week, though, we're talking about the best, worst, and ugliest of 2021, from our perspectives at least, as well as our changing opinions on those games now that we have the benefit of time. Well, now that we have that out of the way, this is the Totally Biased Media Podcast. My name is Jason, and I'm here with my two brothers. I'm Jordan. I'm Jackson. Welcome to the show, and please hold all negative comments until the end of the podcast. It's that time of year where every major video game journalist and some just regular journalists decide that they want to lay out the year's best games. Since we've only been in the game for less than a year now, and we didn't review that many games, we decided we're just going to go back over the whole list and kind of see not only what the best ones were, but how our opinions have changed. Now, most notably... The Game Awards just rolled around. Turns out, people really liked It Takes Two, even if it took them a long time to realize that. And now that it is officially the Game Awards Game of the Year, it's got me thinking about how our opinions have changed, specifically about that game. Jason, you were the most negative about It Takes Two at the time that it released. I went back and listened to our episode, and we went hard on it, but you went the hardest. Do you want to sort of kick us off? When we reviewed It Takes Two, we were different people. We were young. We had just met. Um, <laughs> I wasn't even an adult yet. And, and some of us were struggling through a lot of issues with It Takes Two. Uh, my issues in particular are the story, which is hamstrung at best. And the characters, which are annoying to the point of sucking. Uh, but I would say overall, It Takes Two had some really. I mean, if we're gonna, if I'm talking story still, it had some really funny moments mixed in with all of the cringe. Specifically, the moment where they uh, <laughs> they killed the toy elephant. <laughs> I got dark. Honestly, one of the most iconic scenes I can think of in a video game in a long time, <laughs> and that's coming from someone that's played Mass Effect since then. Uh, but my bigger thing with It Takes Two is the gameplay. And beyond that, just kind of like the way that it utilizes co-op. I just, it really feels that ever since I played It Takes Two, every time I'm looking at a co-op game, I'm at least subconsciously comparing it to It Takes Two. And any time that I go through like the PlayStation storefront or the Xbox game store or whatever, like, and I'm looking for a new co-op game, like, Nothing's really caught my eye the way that It Takes Two managed to. I don't 
think that co-op gaming was necessarily something I was even really thinking of that much when we originally reviewed It Takes Two. But since then, I mean, I've started playing a lot of games with Abby. It was definitely one of the better experiences that we've had playing a game together. And I think that we, we both really enjoyed it. And there hasn't been anything else that's come close to even scratching that itch. So I think my opinion of it has gone up significantly. Jackson, what about you? I think I'd criticize the fact that it was only multiplayer. That there was no way to play it like by yourself. Or I don't even think it has like online co-op it does. either. Like it has it to be calculated. Oh, okay, it does? Oh, okay. And I think if you bought but, it on a lot of storefronts, it gave you a free second copy. Yeah, it did. Looking back on it, that was a dumb thing for me to criticize. <laughs> like the fact that this game is only mul- the, the fact that this game is only co-op is what makes it so good like yeah it's intrinsically designed as a co-op game every part of it was designed from the ground up for co-op halo or borderlands or i guess left for dead's also a good example maybe (laughs) like they could all be played with other people or by yourself and it doesn't you know like you can do either one the fact that this game has to be co-op like just kind of makes it special Hazelight Studios is pretty much the only group out there that is making co-op exclusive games. I mean, they also made a ta- uh, not a way out and Brothers. Brothers was technically playable by yourself, but it was definitely made for co-op. It's called Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons, which I guess you could say that about any game that has you know two men in it. <laughs> <laughs> No, I just, I feel like It Takes Two is just so unique, both in its aim to be a co-op game and like the different genres and gameplay styles that it takes on, that nothing else has even really come close in a lot of ways. It's doing something new and unique, and I think that that gives it a lot of points in a year that was inundated with sequels. Sequels and new ideas that aren't really new. (laughs) A year but, yeah, full like, of sequels and games like Outriders. <laughs> yeah. Now, something interesting. This is this is a real I told you so moment for me. Uh, I went back to our group chat from about the time we were first kicking off the podcast. And I really had to fight you guys on even talking about It Takes Two. You all were both <laughs> definitely on board for just letting this one pass by. But we had a scheduling mix up. Uh, basically, we just found out we weren't going to be able to review uh, Godzilla vs. Kong as early as we thought. So we were looking, we were scrambling like four days before we were supposed to record, looking for something. And I really fought for this game, and neither of you two were into it until like two days before or three days before. And we just hadn't made a decision yet. So I, I'm taking a lot of credit on it takes two. Well, look, I mean, if you had asked us to review brothers a tale of two sons or a way out you know like Hazelight's previous games which is all i really had to go off of i would have said no <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those games are nowhere near as good as it takes two i haven't even played either of them. our second game review was a little more contentious <laughs> this one had some concerns <laughs> second up we did monster hunter rise which we basically went in from the perspectives of one person who's played some Monster Hunter, one person who's barely played any Monster Hunter, and one person who basically hadn't played Monster Hunter, period. Oh, wait, no, that one's me. <laughs> yeah. 
So we weren't coming in from tried and true Monster Hunter veteran perspectives, but it, it was rocky for us. <laughs> Do you guys think, uh, you know, too hard on Monster Hunter, not hard enough? What, what was the, the gist? Because I think I, for one, was too hard on it. And I, if I were to review it again, I definitely would be more positive. A lot of my criticism from the game just came from the fact that I barely played any multiplayer of it, which it seems uh, is not really how the game is supposed to be enjoyed. <laughs> I guess Monster Hunter fans would be upset when I say this. It feels still to me like a big downgrade from Monster Hunter World. That said, I, I think I was fairly positive about it when it came out, uh, and I definitely enjoyed it, and I've come back to it a few times to try to get, like, the DLC outfits. Sonic Dog. Um, yeah, Sonic Dog, uh, and specifically the, the first crossover event they did was, I think, a Amaterasu from Okami, and that looks really nice. So, honestly, I'm probably going to have to give it another shot when this dlc comes out yeah i think yeah. i'll try to talk about it a little bit more when that happens so the next up next game up was outriders which was a game that i went in very excited for i went in too hyped honestly and it's it's just flat like the game has cool minute-to-minute -minute gameplay and some good ideas about the the difficulty curve and some of the the fact that it was very power centric with super low cooldowns was was really cool, but it was the most bland and boring world. It really didn't offer much that was unique or interesting at all. Also, has some of the worst writing I have ever seen in a game. <laughs> it was rough. Those those are some of the most insufferable characters I've ever seen, especially the main character that you play as the entire game. How am I supposed to sit and play this game for like 20 hours when I can't stand the character I play as? I think I was skipping cutscenes by like three or four hours in. It was it was rough. Hey, that's that's the uh, that's the only amount of the game I played. Yeah, I made it. Look, Destiny had to get people addicted to their uh, whatever you would call the flow of their game before they were able to start stuffing story down people's throats. Yeah. Uh, so any company that's trying to capture what Destiny did, I think is going to fall short because I think in a lot of ways, Destiny is that lightning in a bottle that no one else is really going to be able to catch. One of the more surprising games of 2021 was definitely new Pokemon Snap. I, I had been wanting a Pokemon Snap sequel literally for 20 years, and I was definitely not expecting it to get expecting to get it so quickly i mean this game was announced and released over just a few months and in a lot of ways it was exactly what i wanted it had some major issues with its progression and how you sort of interacted with the world but it was still a, a really cool treat to to go back into what was essentially that same game but brought very quickly into the modern world i think a lot of people really wanted new pokemon snap and everyone was at least from my experience, pretty happy with what we got. I just kind of wish that Nintendo, or I guess Bandai Namco in this case, would have dreamed a little bit bigger. For sure. It didn't need to be that much like the original. The original was fighting with some pretty hard limits on you know what could be done with a Nintendo 64, whereas they definitely could have been bolder and more inventive with the remake, and they, they just weren't. I think that Returnal was... The first game we reviewed 
that really felt like a game that couldn't have existed before 2021. It feels like it made the most of new hardware, new ideas for how big and detailed games could be. It just it it felt it it felt like the cutting edge of games at the time that it came out. And I loved it at the time and I have not touched this game since and I don't know why. It seems like the it seemed like something I would I mean it's it's right up my alley in terms of how it plays and what it is, but I've just had it's zero interest in going back. Not a card based roguelike though, so I'm not sure if you'd really like it that much still. I liked it a good bit, but I have never been really too big in the roguelikes, so I did not get too far into it uh, before we reviewed it, and I didn't really. I don't think I played any after, but uh, it's one of the few games on our list that I've been thinking about going back and playing here recently, just because you know I, I never finished it, and it's, it's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, kind of to echo what Jordan said. I mean, obviously, I still haven't played as much as them, but what little I have played of Returnal. It definitely takes advantage of the new controller that the PS5 uses. You can feel, like, the fact that it's using the SSD to load everything and you don't have to wait 10 years to go room to room is really nice. It's definitely visually taking advantage of the PS5 hardware. That said, to me, just doesn't quite have that staying power that Resogun hit. Honestly, that my favorite part of Returnal was that it sort of reminded me that Resogun even existed, and I got really into it for a couple weeks. <sighs> well, not everything in 2020, 2021 was great. I mean, we got some real bummers, like the Mass Effect trilogy. Who even cares about that one? Those games Moving on. suck. <laughs> With the Mass Effect trilogy, what was old was made new again. And by that, I mean they gave it like HD textures. The only one of these games I played in its original release state was Mass Effect 1. And like, I I was so turned off by the combat of it that I didn't really give the rest of it a shot. But regardless, these are good remakes of very, very good games. So this was still big for a lot of people, even people like Jackson and I yeah. that didn't play the originals. Yeah, if I could pick it, uh, this would be my game of the year. <laughs> But it's just a re-release. Hey, maybe only like three more years and we'll get Mass Effect 4. Or I guess 5? I've heard both. I hope Bioware puts out a good game again one day. It's been a while. But speaking of Game of the Year, a game that was on so many people's shortlist for the Game of the Year was Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. And going into 2021, this was the single game I was most excited for. And in a lot of ways, it lived up to the hype. I mean, it delivered on everything that was great about the Ratchet & Clank series, minus the humor. I don't think it's ever really quite hit the highs of how funny the originals were in their own time. But overall, like this was a really solid sequel to one of my favorite franchises. I was a little too ecstatic about it when we reviewed. I don't think it necessarily merits... I think I, I gave it a, a 10 out of 10. I don't think it merits that necessarily, but this is still a very, very good game, and one that I will go back to plenty in the future, especially when I'm doing replays of the whole series. Yeah, when we reviewed it, I want to say I finished it, like, the day before we recorded it. So I think <laughs> I finished when... it hours before we recorded. <laughs> so I think I was still riding off the high of the game a little. So after, like, you know, a few months had gone by, uh, and I really, like, thought, like, hey, we reviewed this game, I was like... I don't think I'd really give it a 10 out of 10. Like, don't get me wrong. Still pretty good. Just, like, 
didn't really feel like anything special. I mean, I would yeah. definitely still describe it as special, just not as gleamingly so as we sort of said at first. Oh, I definitely no. really enjoyed Rift Apart. I will say, and I feel like I said it when we initially reviewed it, it doesn't necessarily to me feel like a game I'll come back to. Maybe we're still just too close to it, but I definitely have fonder memories of older games. Like, I would much rather go back and play the future series than play this again. But, I mean, it was really enjoyable, and I thought the whole Rift mechanic and taking advantage of the PlayStation 5 hardware was pretty cool. The new weapons were all fairly interesting. I don't necessarily think it had the best arsenal in the series, but top five. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I, I really do like the new characters. And we've already sort of seen so much of Ratchet that it was good to see sort of a fresh face, specifically a fresh face that was from a much more downtrodden universe. Ratchet's always been sort of happy-go-lucky, upbeat, always excited, friendly, personable, and Rivet's been through some stuff, and that has definitely soured her take on everything. <laughs> and sort of watching that change was pretty good. Yeah, I'd like to see some kind of expansion to Ratchet's arc, because it Feels like we've just been going over, and I mean, I get that it's like his whole main thing, but it, it feels like the whole story about him being the lo- the last Lombax has been a focus for a little too long at this point. Yeah, and we've been we've been really circling the drain on this idea of him going to find the others, and it just not actually happening for what feels like the entire series. Well, speaking of Game of the Year material... Camelot came at us with a new Mario Golf this year. Mario Golf Super Rush. And I have to say, I've actually come back to it multiple times. Yeah, me too. I have not. This game, our reviews for this game were like middling at best. But this game is actually really fun. And I've jumped back onto it several times since we reviewed it. And I can't say that about many of these other games. Yeah, I definitely, I've played every time that they've added new courses. Which, I mean, off the top of my head, I can't remember what all they've added, but I definitely remember New Donk City. Yeah, that was that was the big one. They've also added more that were sort of in some of the existing themes, just expanded upon. Didn't they add a snowy map, finally? They did. They yeah. did. That was, the la- that was the last big one, I believe. They've also added several new characters, which is cool. I mean, I don't think that none... I don't think any of them really, like, fix the weirdness or the unevenness of the roster, but, you know, adding more characters is never going to hurt the game. Yeah, I don't need new characters. I have, I have Charles and Chuck. Let's talk about the worst game I have played ever. <laughs> the worst game of 2021. I honestly Which wouldn't is... just say this is the worst game of 2021. This this might be the worst game I have ever played. It's not that bad. I don't think you've played that many bad games. I mean, like, it's bad, but it's not like... We're not talking, like, E.T. Superman uh, 2000. Hey, I did yeah. say the worst game I ever played. Dungeons & Dragons dark alliance i went in with this mindset of you know this game's gonna be rough around the edges but it's still got something in there for me this co-op hack and slash grindy game loot centric game set in the DD universe or specifically the wizards of the coast depiction of like the standard forgotten realms all of that I'm, i'm i'm on board with like this game seemed like something i'd be into but then when i actually played it Oh boy. <laughs> this it's definitely one of the most broken games I've played that wasn't 
like a, a small indie studio making their first game type situation. <laughs> it just, it feels bad to play. And they were not smart at all with the progression hooks or the the co-op integration. There were so many bad decisions made with this game. It's wild. I just don't know how in a, how a game this aggressively buggy and bad got through QA. I don't really want to get into this one anymore, though. Let's talk about Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. So, sorry, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD. <laughs> I originally had this in here as Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword again. Hey, I... the original was not HD. This is a totally different experience. <laughs> yeah. The original game came out in 2011. Jordan and I were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. Um, it's weird to think that a game from 2011 wouldn't be in HD, but it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> that said, Skyward Sword was good. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot more now than I did when I originally played it on the Wii, so. I, on the other hand, did not really enjoy it. I don't think it was bad, but, I don't know, just felt off. I mean, it's a bad Legend of Zelda game. Yeah. Which is still a good game. I think it's actually, it somewhere inside of it is a really good Legend of Zelda game. It's just buried under so much bloated nonsense content. It's just Stuff buried that, under motion controls. That also doesn't help things. Or whatever you would call the other option. The weird the dual sticks. stick thing. Yeah. yeah. I I don't know, it's tough because I think it has some of the best dungeons in the in the Zelda series. And there are some genuinely good ideas, and I actually kind of, I, I like the style once I got into it, even though I still think it's a little bit too much of a, a middle ground between, like, Twilight Princess and Wind Waker, but it actually has some good stuff in it. It's just, it's way, way too long, and you do a lot of backtracking that doesn't really add much to it. And like we talked about with our original reviews... If you just ignore people's faces, the game's beautiful. But speaking of just gorgeous games, I think one of the best looking and definitely most unique looking games of 2021 was absolutely Psychonauts 2. I think we went a little hard on it because we played Psychonauts 1 in the days leading up to it. And I think it does fall short of the first in a couple of ways. But this is still a really solid game of its own right. And even though I think it sacrifices some of the cool puzzle stuff of one for basically just being a puzzle platform or just a platformer, I still think this is a really good game in the end. And I think it's a fitting follow-up to the first. Yeah, I mean, I definitely look back on it a lot fonder than I talked about it when it first when we first reviewed it. I didn't like it as much as the first one. And I think the... I, it's not like the puzzles in the first game are great, but I did think that they were like an integral part of the experience that's just completely cut out in Psychonauts 2. And then to add on it, I, I don't think Psychonauts 2 is as funny as the first one. It feels like the comedy in Psychonauts 1 was like slightly darker and it was also like more understated. And mm -hmm. I, I don't think Psychonauts 2 does that as well. Like Psychonauts 2 tries to play the idea of a psychic spy agency a little too straight for my taste. Whereas, mm -hmm. like I said with the first one, it always felt like a psychic summer camp, like training children to be spies with superpowers was like a dark joke. I think there was just a much bigger obligation to walk this line between funny, ridiculous game 
but still talking earnestly about things like mental health. And I think overall it handles its earnest, wholesome, like genuine moments really well. But I do think you're right. I don't think it has nearly as many truly funny moments as the first one. I also wish that Psychonauts 2 had kept up with Psychonauts 1 introducing more unique gameplay mechanics in different worlds. Yeah, the worlds all felt more similar. Yeah, Psychonauts 2 didn't have... I mean, I guess the big examples would be the world where you're in Linda, the lungfish's mind, and you're a giant monster attacking the city. Jackson, I know you were a much bigger fan of this one than the first. Do you want to dig back into that for a minute? (laughs) I think my biggest problem with the first one is just, like, I played it, what, 17 years later? So, like, all my problems, which are just, you know, I was playing a game from 2003 or whatever, were fixed by playing uh, a 2021 game. Like, it felt like more, you know, responsive and stuff, but that's just, you know, that's not anything to do with the, like, it was made better it's the fact that it's it's newer 17 years newer but we just have higher standards for yeah tightness of control i guess yeah um but yeah i think i agree jason i think well i don't necessarily like some of the uh like special world design stuff or not the designs of a gameplay stuff in the first game i do think that psychonauts 2 is very lacking in that i think the worlds themselves are a lot better but the gameplay for them pretty much remains the same between all of them other than the cooking show one my, my issue with psychonauts 2 when i talk about it is that it doesn't feel better enough from psychonauts 1 for me to not compare them like i think sure. they're just very similar in quality sure like if this if this game had been this breakout platformer that put everything else in its class way way behind it that could do more to forgive some of the story changes and some of the missteps in tone. Yeah, I just, I feel like Psychonauts 1 and 2 are on such even ground in, like, several regards. Or it'll be, you know, something like the platforming in 2 is better, but the puzzles in 1 are better. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. It's hard to separate them from each other. Which I guess is good, because, I mean, they captured the look and feel of the original game, and they improved upon it. In some ways, at least. And that's really yeah. what you're trying to do when you make a sequel. So Up next, Deathloop. This is definitely a game that you see on a lot of people's shortlist for Game of the Year. And I think it's actually won a couple Game of the Years from some smaller publishers. It's definitely the game that I have the coolest memories of from 2021. I think everything you do in Deathloop just feels cool. And I can't say that about any other game we played this year. And even though I don't think it is necessarily my pick for the game of the year, I think it's definitely one of the ones I will have. I will remember the most explicitly, if that makes sense. Yeah, this is this is in my top three for game of the year. Uh, I, I'd say I don't think it really does a whole lot of unique or new things, but I feel like it. It is like the pinnacle of everything that arcane has done like it feels like they took the best elements of all their games and put them in the one and gave it its own its own style which is that sort of is that is it like 70s or i would just call it like retro futuristic yeah it gives it like with a retro futuristic feel instead of space horror or plague Arkham stuff horror. yeah <laughs> 
yeah, I think it, it's a really good game. And one of the things I talked about when I reviewed it is just like the best thing about it is that it is just it's fun the entire time. The gameplay has no down points. It never feels stale throughout the story. It's just fun the entire time. Yeah, yeah. I I really enjoyed the whole the main hook of the game of just trying to figure out like how I'm gonna kill all of these founders or whatever they were called. I'm bl- I'm blanket on the exact word that they use to describe the bad guys. Like, how am I gonna assassinate all eight of these people in one day? And like, how's that gonna go? And I feel like they put this huge focus on making the moment-to-moment gameplay like so good, so fluid, and just making you feel cool. I feel like it fumbles it at the very end. Um, yeah, yeah, it doesn't end on the best note. Specifically, my biggest complaint is just that there is a solution to killing all of them in one day. Yeah. Or that there's there's exactly one solution. <laughs> yeah. There's I think if you want to make a game like this, like the whole thing should be there should be several solutions. And it tells you what the solution is. Once you get far enough to have the final solution, like there's just a new quest route that is laid out that just shows you exactly what to do. Not a huge fan of that. Yeah, and you can ignore it to a point, but I mean there are some places and people that you have to kill like at the right place at the right time. Which is neat, but I just kind of wish that there were more setups like that. I think this next game sort of gets its own special commendation. An award that I didn't really know I wanted to give until we got to this point. But I'm going to go ahead and say it. Hot Wheels Unleashed was the most okay game we played in 2021. I was going to say most inoffensive. I was going to say the most (laughs) game. No, I would say most game was probably Legend of Zelda, maybe. Monster Hunter Rise. Yeah, that's the most game game of 2021. <laughs> that's the most game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hot Wheels Unleashed. Yeah, it's It was sick. fun. I mean, the actual driving felt surprisingly good. It looked incredible. Like, it looked better than it had any, had any right to be. And the attention to detail was incredible. Yeah, it managed to hit that sense of scale and also, like, the materials that everything's made of. When you're driving a car, it looked and sometimes it felt like you were driving a little plastic car. (laughs) Yeah, but I think it had just terrible systems for unlocking cars. The single player was incredibly bland. It... The game was at its best when you were doing multiplayer stuff trying to intentionally break the game. I'm going to give you my biggest complaint about this game. I'm dumb, and I decided to buy the season pass for this game. There is already content that you have to buy that's not in the season pass. Gross. This game is aggressively monetized. This game This game is aggressively monetized, including the stuff that you buy with in-game currency that you cannot buy with real money. Yeah. It's not even generous with the money you get just from winning races. Like, I played probably 10 or 12 hours of this game, and I only had maybe two dozen cars at most. There were so many more things I could do in this game, and I just was not feeling it at all. Now, after we got through Hot Wheels Unleashed, we got into the part of the year that I call the really good part, <laughs> because the fall kicked off with Metroid Dread. Which, I'm just going to come out and say it, y'all. This is one of the best games of 2021 by basically everyone's metrics. 
almost everyone I know at least looks at this as one of the best games of 2021. And there is no other game I am this confident will win a bunch of different groups Game of the Year awards. Like, this game was everything it promised to be and then some. And it was just so good. I I loved every minute of this game, even if there were not a lot of minutes to it. Yeah, I mean, the only complaint I have about Metroid Dread is that there isn't enough of it. Also, Samus only has one voice line in the whole game. And it's like, why <laughs> even bother with a voice actress? <laughs> now, Jackson, you didn't love this one quite as much. No, um, I think I still stand where I stood with it, too. Like, I mean, I don't think it was bad or anything. It's just, it's not for me. I'm not a huge fan of it. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. Like, there were parts of it I enjoyed, but I I don't know. There's just something about it that just didn't click with me. Now, this this might be total hearsay, whatever you want to call it, but there really aren't any side-scrollers you've ever clicked with are there no not really actually and i think that might be a a straight up generational thing yeah i mean i've pretty much only grown up with most new games being 3d like the only 2d game i can really think of that i really got into as a child was uh new super mario for the wii (laughs) but it's not to say like it's not to say that your opinion about Metroid is wrong or anything. I just, I genuinely don't think that this game will apply to any younger people that didn't grow up with side scrollers, at least as like still a dominant force. Cause even for Jason, 3d games were still the norm by the time he was really playing games. But for me personally, almost all games were still at least in the 2d phase. You know, there were some games like, I mean, I was already playing video games by the time Mario 64 rolled around. So clearly there was at least a phase where I was playing almost exclusively side scrollers. And I think that this captures both what I love about 2d platformers in general, but it also expands upon one of my favorite franchises. So this game was just, I mean, this game was basically the closest a game has gotten to perfect by my book in a very long time. Except for one other game <laughs> that we'll get into in a few minutes. I, I don't know. I feel like saying it's a generational thing is a little bit much. I don't feel like we have enough to go off on that. I think Jackson personally just doesn't like side-scrollers. Yeah. But I, I don't think that's just him, though. You know, I don't know for sure if it's other people, but there haven't really been any big release side-scrolling games that I can think of since like I've been in the gaming other than i guess this yeah i I mean i'm sure there's been some i mean there's been several mario games for example but mario's been making its switch to 3d as well and i don't think it's made it very successfully i don't think that generally the the new 3d mario games are as good as the 2d ones that were coming out just a few years ago that feels beside the point (laughs) metroid dread i thoroughly enjoyed it i think it's got some of the more interesting boss designs. I feel like it's just like at this very the sweet spot of challenging. Like it's not too hard. It's not too easy. I felt like it was pretty satisfying to 100%. Had a good time with it. That's really all I have to say about Metroid Dread. I don't <laughs> my my opinion hasn't really changed in the past yeah. month. Yeah. Yeah. So Guardians of the Galaxy. 
I mean, again, we just reviewed this one like a month ago, so not much has changed. But it was definitely one of the most surprising games of 2021 for me. I think it pretty much delivered on everything it was trying to do very, very well, other than maybe the combat got a little tired as you got further in the game. But overall, I still think it was a really solid experience and was not nearly as soured by the horrible, horrible experiences I had with Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy game, or uh, Marvel's uh, Avengers game last year. So, this one was good. This one was good. Yeah, not going to say too much since it's only been a few episodes since we talked about it, but yeah, I I enjoyed it. It was really good. I, I think it's one of the best games this year, in my opinion, but I still don't think it's like like a great game or anything. It's just that like this year didn't have a whole lot of great games. i feel like guardians of the galaxy is one of the games that proves that linear storytelling is still valid yeah good i thought it was really fun interesting explosive and it really dealt with its major themes of grief like pretty effectively which is a lot to say for a uh i feel like like these triple a games i don't feel like they necessarily go outside of like this very small wheelhouse of emotions that you can go through uh and grief i feel like is one of the emotions we haven't seen quite as much as the others they're definitely not done quite so tastefully other than maybe god of war (laughs) it was a good time i'm realizing the further we get into this podcast that one of the real metrics that can help me to like really sort out how i feel about a game is how much i keep playing the game after we record because a lot of these games I feel like I'm really, really loving, but as soon as we as soon as we finish the episode, I just don't have any interest in going back to, like Returnal, for example. Um, that's how I know that I really, really, really loved <laughs> Forza Horizon Five because I've actually played it significantly more since we recorded than I did before, and it's because not only is this game incredible. It's that there is so much to it. There is so much content. And it's all good. <laughs> like, this game pretty much hits on everything it's going for. And I've, I mean, I'm really, really loving it. I think I hit level 100 today. I've done just about every rate, like regular race there is to do in the game. I've done a ton of the seasonal content. And I'm still going back to it. And I still want to keep going back to it. And that says a whole lot. Forza Horizon's definitely a gem for this year. Um, And that's coming from someone that doesn't necessarily like racing games that much. I I feel like Forza Horizon's the only series I've ever really gotten into, like, a lot. But, yeah, I've played a lot of the entire series, and I've played quite a bit of five. I've been keeping myself preoccupied, like, going through my backlog recently, so I haven't played as much of it as I would like to, but... I mean, I was playing Forza Horizon 4 basically until 5 came out, so I don't think it's necessarily going anywhere anytime soon for me. Yeah, I was pretty positive of it when we reviewed it, and I don't think it's a bad game or anything, but, like, I'm not in the racing games, so, like, I've looked back on it a few times since we reviewed it, and I'm like, I don't really want to play this. Yeah, but have you gotten the Warthog? No. You can drive the dang Warthog. Yeah, I can I can get the Warthog get the in Warthog. Halo by just It's better. It's better than the Warthog in Halo. Can you shoot the gun? Um No. 
No, but you, <laughs> you can, should be able you can to. pretend to. You can imagine it. There's no gun on, on the the warthog. It's the one with uh, extra seating in the back. It's the four door. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the it's the warthog sedan <laughs> i feel like it got robbed not being eligible for the game awards game of the year yeah that was that was very interesting at first i thought it was just it released too late but it was eligible for other categories meaning it was just straight up snub for this one i think it won like weird sound design or something yeah and it won best sports game Oh, I yeah. don't understand the sound design one, but yeah. I mean, I get have it. Have you heard a I car in that game compared yeah, to Yeah, like, but have you played Returnal? I, I think it's hard to compare. Yeah, I think Forza also won the excess, most ex, best accessibility or something to that effect. So that's, that's cool, which I totally get because the game has a mountain of different ways you can customize the game to better, better suit your experience, which is really great. <sighs> okay, well... That's a lot of talk about games we've already reviewed, but we got some other things we want to get into. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back with something a little bit different. Twenty twenty one is almost over as we know it. Another game awards came and went as well. The big news it really comes from it takes two winning game of the year, best family game, best multiplayer game. Just really great night for It Takes Two and Hazelight Studios as a whole. But no one watches the Game Awards for the Game Awards. Not even the people that make the Game Awards. They're there for the reveals. And this year, there were a lot. And some of them even look good. (laughs) First up, we got a reveal of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre video game. From the devs that brought us the Friday the 13th video game and the mess that came with the Friday the 13th video game. It's really a shame what happened to that game. Because I've heard it was really good and I've even seen a lot of people say that it was a lot better than Dead by Daylight. But rights issues get to us all. And it turns out that the people that were saying they could make a Friday the 13th game, they shouldn't have said that. (laughs) (laughs) I believe there was a, a lawsuit with one of the original creators of Jason, or maybe one of the original actors that played him. Regardless, yeah. there was some paperwork that probably wasn't done successfully early enough in the process. Yeah, and they completely got cut out of developing any further content for the game after it came out because of this. Yeah. So let's hope that maybe this game goes a little bit better. Fans of the Amazon series The Expanse got some good news because it looks like one of the newly reformed Telltale Games' first project is going to be The Expanse. It more or less just kind of looks like the same thing that they were doing before they went bankrupt, doesn't it? Yeah. I I've really loved some Telltale Games. I've really loathed some of them as well. And I have not seen the show with The Expanse, so this one's probably not for me, but it's definitely interesting to see them back at it and doing things basically the same they did before they lost a ton of money. Can't wait for it to happen again. Yeah. Well, let's hope this time they managed to create some actually interesting gameplay. I don't expect them to come back with anything too wildly different. When the highlight of your game design is a quick time event, there might be some issues. Yeah. 
We've already discussed it a little bit, but we did get some new information about the Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak expansion, and I think that's going to be my jumping back point for the series. I, I think that that's when I'm going to finally give Rise another shake, because it seems like it's adding some really cool stuff, and I'm, I'm hopeful that it will fix some of the problems that I had with the base game. Looks like it's adding an entirely new island, so presumably also a bunch of new monsters. I'm hoping they'll add in some more of the aerial monsters, because like I said when we reviewed Monster and Arise, it felt like they took out a lot of the flying monsters. I guess I, I really liked World's vertical game design in a lot of places, and I'd really like to see that kind of return, because it looked like the island was pretty tall when they showed it off. On the other hand, we got an announcement of a new Wonder Woman game from the developers of Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War, Monolith Studios. I feel think the big thing on everyone's mind is are we going to get that nemesis system back good news folks if you really love that one specific part of shadow of war it's here for you i mean i think that was like the biggest part of shadow of war and shadow of mordor i really didn't like it in shadow of mordor i i heard it was improved substantially in shadow of war but i i don't know that for a fact well the bigger thing is it's just a really cool idea but they they got a patent on it or a copyright or whatever, so no one else can use it. It's like how Bandai's the only people that can make loading screens with uh, mini games on them. <laughs> yeah, such a specific thing to target. Hey, but uh, now Sony has copyright to games that have stuff like Jeff Stranding, where uh, other players can leave stuff in the world for you. Wow, I can't wait for Sony to put out a whole new line of Strand type games. <laughs> I'm sure it'll work great without Hideo Kojima behind it. Absolutely. We got some long-awaited sequel reveals at the Game Awards, such I think kind of threw everybody. Uh, most notably, Alan Wake 2 is coming, and it's coming soon. They said this one's going to be a survival horror game, whereas the other ones were more just like... Because there was Alan Wake, and then there was Alan Wake American Nightmare, and they were both more or less like linear... Action centric shooters, action shooter. Yeah, yeah. I just remember shining my flashlight at the monsters. <laughs> yeah, I think this is a pretty natural progression for that type of game, and I think it makes a lot of sense in a survival setting. I'm excited for this one. I, I think it could do some really cool stuff. I need to d dip back into the previous ones before we get there, but still got some time for that. So it'll be interesting to see how like the ways that control has expanded the universe will play out in this game oh i guess i need to dive into that whole controlled alan wake theme dlc as well also there's uh quantum break yeah i'm not i'm not shared universe not playing that one. <laughs> oh, you don't like Iceman from the x-men hey he's the one thing about that game that actually looks interesting the rest of it is literally just hey what if our cutscenes were as long as television shows Speaking of things that look interesting, but actually have scary things behind the scenes. What a transition. We got a new uh, Star Wars game coming called Star Wars Eclipse. And it takes place during the High Republic era, which seems really cool. Uh, but then at the end, they revealed the game was going to be made by Quantic Dream. Which isn't very cool. Ooh. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Quant Quantic Dream's put out some cool stuff before, but... They're on the downward spiral. <laughs> Plus, David Cage just sucks. I think that if they got rid of David Cage, well, first off, there would be no one to make the games for them or to direct them. But 
It would at least help with their reputation. My problem with David Cage, beyond the uh, misogyny and the homophobia, is uh, he sucks as a person. I guess that all factors in together, doesn't it? (laughs) Those things probably aren't totally unrelated. Okay, this section's already going long, so I'm going to cut Nightingale and Beat Saber. There were a lot of really cool announcements, honestly. I think Slitterhead looks interesting. I think it's kind of cool that the creator of Silent Hill's getting out there and making new things. Uh, Because last time they tried to make a Silent Hill game, first off, they got a different director. And second, it didn't go well. (laughs) (laughs) I think aesthetically and like stylistically, uh, Slitterhead is the opposite of my kind of game. But I'm sure it's one that dedicated horror fans will be paying a lot of attention to in the years to come. Cuphead and its new DLC, The Delicious Last Course. Oh, buddy, I'm, yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready to die so much. There have been a handful of DLC things added to Cuphead. I guess this will be the second true DLC, like content DLC, like more levels and bosses and stuff. I'm really excited for this one, though. I think Cuphead is, is an absolutely brilliant game. And one that just about everyone that I know that has tried it has really enjoyed it. it. It's a really solid game, and more content I'm sure will be excellent. There are very few games where if you told me a DLC was coming, I would be more confident it will it would be good. But uh, I'm I'm almost sure that Cuphead: The Delicious Last Course will be excellent. Speaking of things that are excellent, we should really use more uh, better segues. I don't know why my go-to is always just speaking of blank. (laughs) Hey, it's easy. Sonic is here. And this time, he's open world, I think. Maybe? That's what it looks like. It's either open world or it's like much more expansive linear maps. Either way, I think it's a good direction for Sonic. One of my biggest problems with the series has always been the fact that it feels like if you're going at max speed that you're missing a lot of the cool stuff about the levels but if you're not going at max speed you're missing what's cool about sonic so i think much much larger maps with a lot more focus on environment as compared to specific level design stuff i I think makes a lot of sense for sonic Now, again, this is a Sonic game, so this could be the worst thing ever made. There's a very good possibility, but it seems like a cool direction. I'm just going to slip it in here. We also got a trailer for the new Sonic movie, Sonic 2. Looks all right. It's just like the first one. (laughs) Yep. Looks like James Marsden's being downgraded in this one. Uh, Not much screen time for him. Tails is here. Knuckles is here. Idris lied. (laughs) He promised no sexy Knuckles, but... I saw that trailer. You saw that trailer. You heard him talk for four seconds. It's an interesting take on Knuckles, because I feel like Knuckles has only had one voice actor for our entire lives. Yeah. Or maybe there was a different one in Sonic Boom, but like, there's this iconic Knuckles voice, and then hearing Idris Elba's voice come out of Knuckles is very strange. Yeah. Idris Elba is probably my favorite actor, and I just, I don't understand this role for him at all, but I'm into it. I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes. Some of the old developers from Telltale are working on a new Star Trek game called Resurgence, and it looks pretty neat. It looks like it kind of takes the good things about the Telltale games, but then what they showed off of uh, like gameplay looked a lot more interesting than what you would do in a normal Telltale game, so I'm kind of excited for that. I know you guys aren't super familiar or interested in Star Trek, but, well, I can't recommend 
can't recommend Star Trek Next Generation enough. Uh, but if you don't like Star Trek, you probably also won't like Rumbleverse. Also, if you do like Star Trek, you probably won't like Rumbleverse. What I'm saying is, Rumbleverse looks terrible. <laughs> this is a new Battle Royale that was announced that I think is for no one and offers nothing. It looks like, I think it's wrestling based. Yeah. Which I don't know how you make a video game where everything's fake. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand how it's going to work as a battle royale, but it's also just, it looks boring. It's a very overdone animated style and it didn't look like they were really putting anything unique on display. It, it just, it looked like a licensed game from like 15 years ago. I didn't personally think it looked very good, but I guess I'll wait and pass judgment more when I see gameplay. And then I'll probably say it's bad no matter what. (laughs) Jackson, why don't you tell us about this next one? The game that is unequivocally the most important game that was announced at the Game Awards. It it really is a shame this was not announced before the Game Awards because it totally would have won most anticipated game. Among Us VR. Uh, we don't know much about it. We got a very short teaser uh, that showed a, an Among Us. I don't know what they're called. I'm calling them Among Uses. They're called crewmates. We, yeah, I don't care. Uh, they're <laughs> Among Uses now. We saw an Among Us just like doing a task, and then he turns around and gets murdered by a bad Among Us. Um, that's all it showed, but I think we can safely assume this is just Among Us, but VR. I think we can safely say that Red is sus. He might be imposter. I saw yellow in the fence. <laughs> Y'all, I'm going to break from this for just a second to ask, is anyone still playing Among Us? Is that still a game that people play? I figured Maybe? Among Us was dead by now. Other than, like, small children. I'm going to look on Twitch right now. <laughs> there are currently... 14.4 thousand people watching Among Us. Well, that is more people than I have fingers, so. so. I will say, just for context, when I searched for Among Us, the two games that came up were Among Us and The Wolf Among Us, and there were only 47 people watching other people play The Wolf Among Us. The Wolf Among Us? You mean the hit Telltale game from, like, 2013? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. The Game Awards wasn't just games, though. It was also... The Halo TV series. Something we've known is coming for a long time, but we got our first tried and true look at. And uh, I'm pretty excited. I I have high hopes for this one. I thought the Spartans looked really good. Specifically, my boy Master Chief in his weagle green. (laughs) And it's just straight up the armor from Infinite. Like, I like that. Yeah, it made a really good transition. Although I guess as we move, you know games get more and more realistic, it'll be a lot easier to make things look good in real life if they look good in a video game. True. That's always been an issue, because some things look good when you can control all the lighting and everything, but then in real life they look awful. But they showed off Master Chief and a few other... If they aren't Spartans, they're at least wearing similar armor. And I thought they all looked pretty good. They didn't really show too much more than that, other than it's a Paramount Plus exclusive. So I guess I gotta get Paramount Plus... I'm going to make the wildest call imaginable about this series, but I'm interested to see if this is how it plays out, because this is how I'm picturing it. I think that the first season 
of the Halo TV series will be phenomenal. Like I think it will be universally liked, and I think it's going to make a lot of people happy. And it should then stop. But I think it's going to go on for a very long time and upset a lot of people. <laughs> for some reason, when I look at this show, that's just the vibe I get. <laughs> and I don't know why. Well, that just about does it for our coverage of the video game. Sorry, just the Game Awards. If it was the Game Awards, why don't they freaking cover board games? Sorry, wait. I do want to go on one more rant that I I didn't get to include. But Jackson mentioned that most anticipated game is one of the awards that they did. And, like, why? (laughs) Why? I don't know. Pat it out, I guess. Also, there were five games or maybe six games nominated this year. For most anticipated game, three of them were also nominated last year. The winner, Elden Ring, won won this year and last year. Which, hey, it's my most anticipated game of next year, but... There's literally a New Horizon game coming out next year. I mean, I would say God of War is mine. I don't know. Y'all don't understand the impact Sekiro had on me. We got a couple other things we need to get into on this episode. Most notably, the news that TBM is dead, and you, the listeners, killed killed it. it. There are no (laughs) listeners. Exactly. (laughs) TBM, as you know it, has died. And in 2022, we are coming back, resurrected like a phoenix, into something bigger, bolder, on fire. But for real, TBM's changing. Changing quite a bit, honestly, in 2022. First and foremost, we're stepping back from the Totally Biased Media as just a podcast. And more on what Totally Biased Media is as a whole. So that means a couple different things. One, over the last year, we've learned that... We're not very good at talking about movies (laughs) or TV shows. So we're kind of honing in on games a bit more. That's sort of our our primary focus starting in 2022. As if it hasn't been our whole the whole time, anyways. And part of that change means that there's really just not gonna be enough stuff to do an episode every week. So instead, we're gonna be doing at least primarily bi-weekly episodes the every other week version of bi-weekly not the two a week kind but we're doing episodes every other week we'll be streaming on the weeks where we're not recording new episodes and we're gonna focus all of this more on a all-encompassing social media experience you know like good brands do (laughs) we're just we're tying it all together y'all we're not just a podcast, we're not just a streamer, we're not just, you know, a Twitter and Instagram page. We're all of those things. And we're going to we're going to do it all together the right way, like a good brand. Also, hopefully we'll make listeners. That's wishful thinking, but yes, that that is the intention. Yeah, I mean, it'll be an interesting change and we hope that you guys will enjoy it. I do want to complain that bi-weekly can mean once, or sorry, twice a week or every other week. But there's also the phrase semi-weekly, which means twice a week. 
It's a weird decision. <laughs> yeah. Do we need both? No, we don't need both. And that's why the Totally Biased Media podcast is making a focus on social engagement. And also, <laughs> we're getting rid of Jackson. Hey. We just found that Three Brothers was unpalatable. Keep an eye out. Things are changing in January of 2022. But that's enough talk about us. So let's talk about what else we've been into. It's time to pull the plug. Jackson. Now I'm imagining pull the plug is one of those pull chain toilets. Yeah. Yeah. Because you've always, it's always been pulling the plug. And that makes me think of like unplugging a sink or a bathtub. But then you play a toilet sound. And that makes me think of toilets. <laughs> Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> what else have you been into? Well, Destiny 2 released its 30th anniversary DLC, so to no one's surprise, I've been playing that. Uh, strangely, not as much as I've been playing Halo Infinite, but we're going to review that later, so I'm not talking about it. Instead, I'm going to talk about the other Halo game, Destiny. Yeah, it's it's their 30th anniversary DLC. They've added a bunch of stuff from previous games that they've made. Of course, you've got things like the uh, the battle rifle and um, I can't think of its name. The Magnum from Halo CE. You've even got two swords that when you put them together, not that you actually can in game, but like if you like took two of them and put them together, it looks like the energy sword. You've got stuff from Myth and Marathon, which I don't know if. Uh, I, I mean, I know I've never played them. You guys ever played those? Nope. Yeah, I didn't think nope. so. Yeah. Never even heard of it until you just mentioned it. Um, Those were like pre-Halo. <laughs> but yeah, and you've got all that inside of a new six-man activity called the Dares of Eternity, which is a game show hosted by Xur and Starhorse, a horse that looks like space. He even says things like, Welcome to... Uh, to our show tonight, will our winners win a 55-foot machine gun, a new sparrow, or an all-expenses-paid trip to Europa? He even says things like wacky obstacle course before you go on the wacky obstacle course. It's wild, and I love it, and it's so out of place with everything else in the game. And then there's also a new dungeon, which brings back some old Destiny 1 weapons. There's A.S. Luna, a uh, thousand-yard stare. Namely, uh, it the exotic Gallarhorn's back. And it's, of course, really overpowered. And I love it. Nobody cares about that version of the Gallarhorn. Tell us about the good one. Gallarhorn is coming to nerf. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, it got nerfed immediately. I, I do think, sadly, it doesn't come out till like, late 2022. And it is also, like, $160. But it is a one-to-one -one scale, so that's pretty cool. It's very it's orange. orange. Yeah, it is very orange. Basically, uh, all the gold has been replaced by orange, which is a very strange decision. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Well, you don't want the police to mistake it for a real rocket launcher. <laughs> for a real Galahorn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the uh, the dungeon itself is uh, based off the infamous loot cave from year one of Destiny 1, which was this cave in the Cosmodrome that you could just, like, Go to kill enemies in, uh, just step a few feet away, they respawn, and you can just keep doing that for hours and get so much loot from it. 
Uh, it's that plus pirate. So there's like traps and stuff in the dungeon that'll kill you. At the end, you find an exo who has a peg leg and an eye patch. There's just a bunch of fun stuff going on here, and it's honestly a lot better than I expected it to be. I think Destiny would really benefit from just not taking itself as seriously with a lot of new content. Like, definitely still have that central story that's serious and realist, or not real, but like tries to be, you know, human ist. But I think it would still benefit from having some just ridiculous stuff thrown in with like every season. Yeah, I wish their events like Solstice of Heroes and Guardian Games and stuff like that were taken less seriously. Not that they're really taken seriously, but like they're they're still like there's not really much there. The closest thing we've got to that is just Festival of the Lost Vent from a few weeks ago. It had a little like bit of funniness to it, but that's enough Destiny. And uh, the last time I'll be talking about Destiny this year. So Jason, what have you been doing? Well. I decided to pick up the hit game from, like, 2008 or something. I don't know. Red Dead Redemption. Because my general thought was I would really like to play a cowboy game. And I realized that the only, like, modern cowboy game is Red Dead Redemption 2. So I decided I've played a little bit of Red Dead Redemption 2, but I never played the first one. So I decided to go back and play it. Uh, And it's pretty fun. I enjoyed it. It's not as tedious as Red Dead Redemption 2. I like John Marston quite a bit. I would say generally I like him a little bit more than Arthur Morgan, the protagonist from Red Dead 2. It's not a million billion years long. So I was actually able to finish the game in one week, which I still played like a lot. But if if I played Red Dead Redemption 2, I would still be in like chapter three or something. Um, the big thing though that it made me realize was just that there's no cowboy games. Why is nobody making cowboy games? I really it think feels... the main reason above all else is just the fact that they didn't have especially interesting guns back then. I genuinely think that's it. Everybody loves revolvers, you know? Yeah. Hard and... to make a whole game around that, though, unless you are Red Dead. Yeah, people like riding horses, uh, and they like wearing, wearing dusters. It just seems like the Old West has got it all, in my opinion. Uh, Red Dead's also kind of, Red Dead Redemption 1 in particular is kind of interesting because it takes place turn of the century. I think it's 1911 in the game. Um, So you can have things like the kinds, you can have like guns that are more 20th century or approaching kind of what you would consider to be a more modern gun. But you can also have old guns and it doesn't really seem out of place and then you can tell a lot of interesting stories just by like what guns people are using because it's like well if someone's still using a revolver in 1911 you know for example then they're probably sticking more to the old ways and like the old west and trying to keep things from changing and then if someone's using i don't know what guns are called but, like, if someone's using, like, a more modern pistol, then obviously you can tell that they're more accepting of change. They only touched on that a little bit in Red Dead Redemption 1, but I do think it's kind of interesting. It's an interesting time in American history as well. Although I do suppose that I don't think a lot of people want to touch too much of American history. <laughs> that said, I really enjoyed Red, Red Dead Redemption. Jordan, what have you been up to? 
Well, I found a new little game called Archvale. came out just like a week or two ago. And I actually saw it on Steam when it, like the day it came out and thought, it looks kind of cool, but wasn't quite sold on it. But I saw three or four days ago that it's on Game Pass. So it's like, I'll give this a, a shot while I'm waiting on uh, Halo uh, campaign to download because it's only like half a gig game. So I started playing it and proceeded to play it for about four hours straight. <laughs> and uh, I've, I've gotten pretty hooked on it the last the last little bit. I've just about finished it. And I'm about 10 hours in. It's, it's a really solid little game, y'all. It is a twin-stick shooter, bullet hell kind of thing. But where that whole genre is normally associated with really, really difficult roguelike type mechanics. This game has a much more grounded RPG crafting focus for its progression hooks. And I think that's a really, really smart choice. Don't get me wrong. This is still a blisteringly difficult game, but it's not on the level of RNG hell that you see with games like Enter the Gungeon, which is definitely the most similar game gameplay wise. Um, I just I think it has a, a lot in it for what it is. It's only like fifteen bucks, even if you get it outside of Game Pass. It's all pixel art, very minimalist, but it plays really well. It has a lot of cool weapons. It has a really really smart hook to keep you out crafting better and better gear and changing out your loadout and you know sort of changing things on the fly. It's it's real fun. I, I like it a lot. It's. It's not going to be for everybody because it is very, very simple and straightforward. But I think if you're the type of person where you like games with good progression and where you can sort of customize a lot of stuff, and it also has that you know pixel art thing that I know a lot of people are really into. It has a very similar aesthetic to Forager, which is another game I know not a ton of people have played, but it's it's in that thing if that's your kind of game. But yeah, it's just it's real cool. I, I highly recommend it, and it's not a game I I had even heard of until I started playing it. Really, so I like it. But that's that's about it, though. Otherwise, I've just been playing a crapload of Halo, <laughs> and uh, just to let you guys in on a, a a little spoiler here, Halo Infinite's campaign will be part of our game of the year discussion in some capacity because it is quite good. Are you saying I should play it? Uh, yes. If if you have to. <laughs> no, it is very good. And I think I think it does a really good job of appealing to true Halo fans and newcomers and people that are a little bit outside the series or have been for a while now. So I I'm very excited to keep going into it. I'm only several hours in. I've actually played more of Archvale <laughs> since uh, Halo came out than I have played of Halo, but I am still really, really liking Halo a lot, and I'm looking forward to what's to come. So, Well, follow-up question. Is Archvale in the Game of the Year discussion? Uh, it is not. The only reason I've played it more is because I knew it was a very short, confined package, and I could knock it all out at once. <laughs> It's a great game, but it's definitely not for everybody, and it doesn't really do anything that bold or unique. So, Well, do you want to read a fan email before we close out the last episode of the year? Let's do it. All right. This email is from Fred. I'll censor his last name. 
and it it just has the the headline or the the subject line hi it says good day dear friend my name is fred i'm the senior partner at fred and associate law firm based in blank I want us to claim the sum of U.S. dollars ten million nine hundred and fifty thousand seven hundred and seventy-seven from the BTCI Bank Loam Togo Security Company. You get forty percent from the total amount. We work together, and there will be success at the end. Reply for more details. So big things are coming for us. I mean, we're about to make like over four million dollars. <sighs> uh, yeah, we get forty percent. Yeah. It's going to be nice. Uh, so I guess this is probably the last episode of the podcast before we're filthy, stinking rich. Well, Jackson, you won't be here anymore. You're already off. Yeah. <laughs> you also don't get any of the money. Sorry. Sorry. Only current members get money. Okay. Well, I think that just about does it for another episode of the Totally Biased Media Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so on Twitter, at TBMcast. On Instagram, at Totally you Biased. Got it. What? I was just proud that you got it right. Oh, yeah. I messed that one up 90% of the time. On Instagram, at Totally Biased Media. Or you could send an email to totallybiasedmedia at gmail.com. Let just us, like Fred did. <laughs> let us know your thoughts on the show, your own reviews for new release games. Anything and everything you want to tell us, we're happy to hear it, and we will certainly engage however we can. But... <laughs> For the Totally Biased Media Podcast, I'm Jordan Walkup. I'm Jason Simmons. And I'm Jackson Walkup. You just felt the bias. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye.